Blog Talk Radio. This is the Back Porch Writer Podcast, the show for writers, about writers, and writing. It's live, fun, and informative. Each week, I chat with writers, editors, and industry pros to give you and me a heads up about this whole new awesome publishing world. Back Porch Writer is about creating the life that you want through writing and publishing. Are you ready to tap submit? Let's explore the possibilities together. Welcome to Back Porch Writer. Welcome to Back Porch Writer, the show for writers, about writers, and writing. I'm your host, Corey Miller, and today is February 9th, 2017. And yes, we just had a show yesterday. And yes, that is the normal run of the show. But because we are participating in the Brain to Books Cyber Convention again this year, which happens the first weekend in April, I'm interviewing a whole host of authors affiliated with that. And so, of course, that means that my schedule is sort of blocked for everyone else, but you can still contact me at info at and I will get back to you. So feel free to do that and we can figure out a way for you to get on the show in April. And I will change the, change that. So once you get to, once we get to the con happening, actually about mid-March, I'm going to go over to the website, Backport Writer, and I will put the Calendly link back on there and I will allow you to go ahead and schedule for the rest of the year. But I had to block out some dates to accommodate all my brain to books, CyberCon author friends. And so that's what's going on. So tonight I have um, an author with me by the name of Donald Firesmith. Now this guy, did a little bit of reading on this person and he's pretty interesting. First of all, he has a Wikipedia page about him. I don't meet a lot of people who have Wikipedia pages about them. One of my friends um, that I did Indie Author Hour with, Hardy LaBelle, he has one because, you know, he's into the gaming and design and all that. He's kind of famous for what he does in that field. And I, I got the impression that maybe that that's what's going on with Donald here because he's got quite a bit of experience in his field. And I was geeking out. I'm not going to lie. I was reading about him and I'm like, oh, wow, that sounds really interesting. I wonder, hmm. but we can't talk about that stuff because he's here to talk about his books and his writing. And so I will try to behave and stay on track while he's talking about his books. I will try not to go off and talk about the other stuff, but I'm telling you right now, that's hard for me. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to lie at all. Um, speaking of books, I've been listening to Trevor Noah's book, uh, Born a Crime. And, you know, Trevor Noah, he hosts The Daily Show. This is something I don't watch TV. I haven't watched TV in like three, four years. I don't even remember last night I actually turned on the TV. But in any case, occasionally I will watch um, snippets or episodes of The Daily Show because, you know, they're funny. I like Trevor Noah. Um, but my husband picked up his book. I knew he had the book, meaning I knew Trevor Noah had the book. Um, but I wasn't sure if I was interested. And then my husband picked it up and he said, you know, it's, it's pretty entertaining. You might really like it. And I've been listening to a lot of very heady stuff lately. And it is entertaining. It is good. And it's a little heady too, but not in the same way. And one of the things I find fascinating about this book is that it gives you insight into what it was like for a biracial kid to grow up uh, in South Africa during apartheid and once apartheid fell away. Really interesting, interesting stuff. So I, I do encourage you to check out Trevor Noah's book born a crime i don't often promote a bunch of you know books that have been traditionally published but every now and again you know i have to give them some love too and i'm really enjoying this particular book so check out trevor noah's book 
But that's not what we're really here to talk about. We are here to talk about Donald Firesmith and his books and what he writes. He seems to dabble in a few things. One of them is um, fantasy, sci-fi. Um, there's something about wands. In fact, the, the image that I chose to use for the show page happens to be an image of Donald with a, sort of a black top hat on and holding a wand. And I know he wrote a book that had something to do with wands. So, Donald, welcome to Back Porch Writer. Yeah, great to be here. So, um, I'm curious about the wand thing. I have to start there. <laughs> so. Okay, well, that uh, actually is the first book that I uh, wrote and published is my wand book. Um, I like working with my hands. I like uh, gemstones. I like uh, wood working. And so in my uh, copious free time, I uh, make uh, magic wands. And the the way I sort of got into it, I'm sure uh, you've read the uh, first um, Harry Potter book and seen the movie. Well, when I saw the movie and I saw Flourish and Blots, the bookstore, I thought to myself, I would love to read those books. And I kept mm. waiting for J.K. Rowling to write uh, some more of the, those kinds of books, a textbook, if you will, for the magic school. And she did write a few small ones for charity, but she never really wrote a textbook. And I decided one day, well, if she's not going to write it, I will. And I wrote uh, my first book, Magical Wands, a cornucopia of wand lore. And that led me to, uh, you know, making my own uh, handmade wands. So tell me, when I looked at that picture, I immediately thought, this guy might be into, I don't know, steampunk or something. (laughs) I do like steampunk. I do like reading (laughs) steampunk uh, books. Uh, In fact, uh, Leviathan, Behemoth, and what's the uh, third book in that series? I just finished recently. Uh, I don't remember the author's name, but I'll give a shout out to him. Uh, That uh, trilogy of steampunk books is really good. Very cool. You'll have to send me a link or something for that. I'd be interested. I'm always looking for something interesting, different to read, to grab my attention. And lately, I've had a hard time finding something I can really get into. I think... My son gets this quality from me. I like to get into a series and just keep reading that series and get exhausted. So I've read a lot of things like that. He, in fact, just finished all the Harry Potter and got into, I gave him Aragon um, and then ended up buying all of the other books. Yeah, all the other books associated with Aragon. I had to buy them within a day because he was going to be finished with Aragon. (laughs) And he was getting frustrated because in between time, the only other series I had for him to check out was um, The Ring. And he wasn't really, he, he was okay with the first book, got really angry by the first two, three pages of the second book and said, I, I don't want to read this. And I said, okay, fine. <laughs> you know, don't, you know, time short, don't read things you don't want to read. You know, you don't get that time back. But in between time, I was getting all these other books for him. And I've only read Aragon. I haven't read the other books in the series yet, but I'm always looking for something. And I love Harry Potter absolutely love Harry Potter. Right. So this magical wands, a cornucopia of wands lore, tell me a little bit more about that book. Is it, I mean, it's, how is it set up? What's the structure? Is this something okay. that a, a um, geeky Harry Potter person would love? Yeah, it has a, a backstory to it. Uh, the backstory is that a professor of medieval um, studies, 
from the United States, was over in Scotland taking a train ride up to Edinburgh to do some research up there. And uh, while on the train as it was going through the moors up there, uh, there's a big national park. Uh, they stopped, and some kids got on uh, in the uh, the train. And uh, one young girl, about 12, and her grandfather got on and got into the same car with him. And they got talking, and the professor thought that it was interesting because the two uh, got into the car with him were wearing traditional Scottish uh, garb. And it turns out that the grandfather was taking his daughter to the boarding school uh, first year. And she was reading a book and was sort of ignoring him as he talked to her uh, grandfather. And then they came to a different stop where they got off and got onto a bus. And at that point, the uh, professor of medieval studies realizes that she left her book behind on the uh, seat. He picks it up, and it turns out to be the wand book. And it is basically written as if it were a uh, textbook in um, magic wand lore at one of at a school such as Hogwarts. Not really Hogwarts, naturally, it'd be mm-hmm. uh, a different one. Mm-hmm. And so the book actually got away with me because it got really large, it's like 400 pages long. Uh, but it starts off with a little uh, history of wands, a little bit of magic theory, and then it goes into all the different kinds of things you can use to make wands, the different kinds of woods, the different kinds of gemstones. I, the wands I make, for example, all have gemstones in them. And this would be anything from, you know, simple semi-precious stones like moonstone all the way up to uh, sapphires and uh, rubies and things of that nature. And uh, so the the majority of the book is taken up on that. And what I've done is I've researched not only the traditional, you know, magical view of the different stones and woods and stuff like that, but I also researched the trees, the, the woods from, how to recognize them, how to work with them as you know, making a wand out of them, you know, the properties of uh, the wood itself. And I put into the book a lot of the experience I had actually making wands, either wands like branches from a tree, that kind of wand, or wands that I turn on uh, my lathe. The next part of the book's, uh, I think, one of the more interesting parts it's a chapter on famous wands in history. And what I've really done is I've taken a lot of famous characters from history, some going all the way back to mythological characters uh, such as the goddess Hecate, uh, to very recent uh, you know, people. And some of them are real. Some of them are, uh, for example, alchemists and things of that nature. But what I did was I gave each one of them a personal wand, and I talked about how that wand fitted that character. And what's kind of interesting here is the I've tried to make the book as realistic as possible. So for the real characters, 
I weave in a lot of the real history of the real person. And I've also then created some new characters out of whole cloth, totally fictional characters, and I've given them the same sort of backstory and their wants and stuff like that. And I find it interesting, you know, when people read those sections on those different historical people, whether or not they can figure out who's real and who's fictional. Ah, so you don't tell them. That was going to be one of my questions. (laughs) No, I don't tell them. So who's that book geared towards? Who's your audience for that? Well, that's a strange thing. It's actually geared towards me. I wrote the book I wanted to read. Is certainly not a middle school book. It would be for anyone young adult and older. It's basically for anyone who wants uh, some, you know, some magical uh, knowledge, if you will. And it's it, it has all sorts of different readers. Some people who are really into new age uh, and pagan beliefs have bought the book and read it and have enjoyed it. And other uh, people uh, who are just more interested in how to make a magic wand and, you know, Mm -hmm. what uh, woods are easy to work with. For example, the picture that you show, that's me with my favorite wand, which is made out of olive uh, wood. And it has a blue sapphire in its tip. And so I have my own wand shop on the internet, and I I just make wands. Oh, very cool. That's yeah. Uh, try to sell them for enough money to pay for my materials. It's not like uh, that's my real job. Well, you know what's interesting is we've attended my family and I have attended a few cons in the last couple of years, whether that was British Fest or Comic Con or sci-fi con, whatever. And there's mm-hmm. always a, a vendor area. And in that vendor area, what I've noticed is there's always someone who ha- who makes wands or has something to do with wands. Um, and some are really cool. Some are just these little plastic cheapo things and all that. But my children love them. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Oh, yeah. And I'll say I like them. I like them too. But it, it's getting wrapped up, I think, in that whole that culture, because it's a whole other culture, especially since, you know, the Harry Potter stuff, it's this whole other way of thinking. And so I, I'd be surprised. I would, I wouldn't, I should say this. I wouldn't be surprised if my son who's 12 would find your book interesting because he was already saying, but mom, there's all these other Harry Potter books that I'm saying, well, no, there aren't. There's the, you know, the series and he's like, but wait, there's fantastic beasts. And there's the, the one with the cursed child. And so he's getting into all of the other out peripheral stuff, basically. And so I would well, be surprised he might if, find really, if he was interested. Yeah, he, and what I've found, uh, I've had several people buy books as gifts, you know, for the children um, who are, you know, of uh, anywhere from 12 to, to 16 or so. And the thing that they like is to have one of the wands and then they can actually look up the wand in the mm-hmm. book and learn about mm-hmm. their their own specific wand. And the nice thing is every wand's unique. I don't make any two wands that are the same. And they're all made out familiar. of traditional materials. So they're not plastic or resin or, you know, anything right. like that. Oh, that is very cool. And you know what, the, I don't know if it's Hallmark or whoever, but you know how you can get specialty ornaments around, you mm-hmm. know, around Christmas and whatnot? 
we do that. That's a family tradition. And I noticed there was one for for the shop, the wand shop, Ollivander's wand shop. But everywhere I went, they were out of it, <laughs> that particular ornament. <laughs> and I was so annoyed because that was the one ornament that would have been perfect for my son <laughs> as he was finishing up the, the whole series. Oh, dang. So now I have to go in and check out your wands that you make. Um, your website for your books is donaldfiresmith.com. What about your wands? Right. Are they on there too? Uh, uh, yeah, you can find them. Uh, it's Well, actually, it's not on that site. That's my author website. Uh, it's uh, magicalwandshop.com, uh, I believe. I, I have it sort of built in here. I'm going to bring it up on my computer right now to make sure that I give you the right uh, URL. I actually have two of them. I have my own personal one, and then I also sell wands on Etsy. So you can find me there as well. I'll the and, personal one. Yeah, my personal one. Um, I have uh, I I have a, uh, I wouldn't call it, you know, a pin name, but I have a, a similar name, fake name, for uh, me as a wand maker. So uh, Firesmith ended up being Feuersmied, the German. So mm-hmm. let me spell it. F-E-U-E-R-S-C-H-M-I-E-D-W-A-N-D for wand, shop, S-H-O-P-P-E dot com. So it's all written together. It's foyersmeadwandshop.com. You can can find it under Google. If you just... uh, do Firesmith and Wands, uh, it'll bring it up. Anyway, that was my first book. <laughs> I know. See, uh, what I, I get off I, on, here are the things that interest me. I have to ask about this question. That's exactly what happened right there. Sorry. Right. It just happened. Yeah. So but what you have to other Firesmith and Wand Shop. Anyway, uh, that's not what I've uh, been writing recently. I'm actually working on finishing up a trilogy, which is sort of uh, hard to peg. Uh, On the one hand, it's an apocalyptic science fiction series. On the other hand, it's a modern paranormal fantasy. And there's a bit of horror in there and a bit of action and adventure. So it sort of runs across multiple genres. Okay, uh, that's going to be hard to market. Hellholes. Yeah, it is. Well, I market it three different ways. What do you uh, do? So I market it in science. In fact, um, the first book in the series uh, very recently got into the top uh, ten on Amazon's Kindle uh, free uh books under the genre uh, science fiction um, post-apocalyptic. So it got there under uh, to the number three spot, <laughs> and mm-hmm. it also got onto the paranormal and fantasy uh, up to something like uh, 16 or 17 on that one. So Amazon actually had it listed under two different genres. Yeah, I thought what it was very you... cool to get into the top 20 in, in both of them. Oh, no, that's very cool. What did you do to make that happen? Did you do anything specific to get to number three or number 16 on those lists? Ah, uh, yes, I did. Um, I 
I've done quite a bit of marketing since October, and I've done a lot of different things. I've gone out and had uh, uh, sent the book out to be reviewed on lots of different blogs. I I think the blog tours have been what have helped it the most. I had a very successful blog tour uh, in the October time frame. But actually, when you think about it, the interesting thing, it really spiked on like the 2nd or 3rd of February. And for hmm. the life of me, I can't think of a single thing that was going on that day. Hmm. Who knows? It was magical. <laughs> so uh, sometimes it just happens. All the stars align and mm-hmm. everyone decides to start, uh, you know, downloading the book. Mm-hmm. So, well, it's anyway, after the holidays. Uh, they need something new to read. <laughs> that's true. Now, the idea behind the series that I'm currently working on, I've, I finished the first book, I finished the second book, I'm working on the third book right now, the, the third one in the trilogy, is uh, do you remember in the summer of 2014 that scientists discovered these huge holes in the, uh, the permafrost, the tundra of Siberia? They were finding, and this is true, I'm, I'm not making this up, they were finding these holes that were like 50 and 100 foot across and circular mm-hmm. and about that deep in mm-hmm. the, the permafrost. And no one could figure out how they could possibly be formed because the ground's frozen solid. You know, where did all the dirt go? And there have been various sort of, theories put forward as to how it might have happened, but really no one's come up with a great, uh, you know, theory that totally explains what they are. And Mm -hmm. this last summer and the summer before, uh, three summers in a row now, they've popped up more and more places in Siberia. Well, my thought was, okay, what if instead of just three or four of these holes in you know the middle of nowhere in Siberia, what if there were thousands of these holes and mm-hmm. they formed more or less a circle around the, the entire Arctic Circle? So, and let's say that they happened overnight. No one knows how, how long it took for these things to form other than the fact that they weren't there before. So... Mm-hmm. Let's say we got thousands of holes showing up overnight, totally unexplainable, possibly be the cause. And I thought, mm-hmm. hmm, well, maybe those holes lead somewhere. And maybe something something bad is going to come out of those holes. And that led me to the idea of having these holes be hell holes basically holes that lead to a portal that leads to hell where demons come out. Now, the interesting thing is that it's science fiction because we're not really talking about the religious hell and the religious demons, if you will. We're talking about aliens from a different uh, planet Mm -hmm. and that these aliens have been coming to our world in ones, twos, and threes over the centuries, and they are the the 
precursors that led to people coming up with the ideas of gargoyles and hellhounds Mm -hmm. and, you know, all sorts of different kinds of demons. Well, they came across these aliens who have come over over the centuries. Hmm. And uh, now this... What made you, I'm sorry, but what made you decide to go down a dark path versus one that might be more hopeful? Well, um, I don't know. The the holes go down and, you know, it, it just seemed more natural for something dark to come out of these big, huge, dark holes than something, mm. you know, pleasant. You know, they go down so deep. Part of me, I guess, in the back of my mind was thinking, well, maybe they go all the way down to hell. Mm. And, but, you know, hell's not, in in this book series, hell's not a place, you know, deep underground. Hell is mm-hmm. another world, and these hell holes are merely part of the technology these aliens use to come over. And while in the past they've been coming over in dribs and drabs, uh, now they're coming over in a major invasion. And so we mm-hmm. have literally thousands and thousands, tens of thousands of these creatures coming out of these holes, a little bit like the uh, the aliens in Starship Troopers. Do you remember the movie? Mm. In the I do. I can't watch that anymore. It's the damn yeah, spiders. So, so uh, the basic premise is that... Uh, when these holes open up, they're opening up near the uh, Trans-Alaska pipeline, the various oil wells up at Prudhoe mm-hmm. Bay and stuff of that nature. So the oil companies uh, contact a geology professor at the University of Alaska Fairbanks and hire him to put together a team of scientists to go up and investigate the holes, which they do. And once they arrive that's when the action starts taking place. Uh, One of the uh, team members ends up uh, dying in what appears to be an accident. And then the following day, the the invasion, the apocalypse starts. Mm. And the first book, our main characters, for over the course of about three or four days, till where they're driven to take refuge in an abandoned pumping station on the uh, pipeline. And the second, the first book is written from the first-person viewpoint of that professor, uh, Jack Oswald, Dr. Jack Oswald, and so it's written from a male point of view. The second book starts off where the first book uh, finishes up, with the people, the survivors escaping from this pumping station, and it's written from the viewpoint of Jack Oswald's uh, wife, uh, hmm. Angela Menendez. And I'm going to stop you. Uh, I'm going to stop you right there. I'm going to stop you right there mm-hmm. because that's a lot of information. <laughs> and ah. I think that's a lot of information that might make people come and check out your book, actually, <laughs> right there. The, I, and I'm the interesting here, thing I, is, yeah, the interesting thing is to have the book written from a female's point of view. Yeah, yeah. And, and so I, I spent I a year reading, that. spent a year reading 
nothing but uh, fantasy and paranormal books written by female authors with strong, you know, female leads right. to prepare for that. And it's a very different way of writing, basically. Mm-hmm. You know, honestly, um, people are going to have to check out your books. Tell everybody the name of the first one and the second one. Okay. The first one is called Hell Holes, What Lurks Below. The second one uh, is called Hell Holes, Demons on the Dalton. The Dalton is the highway that leads from Fairbanks up to uh, the oil fields up uh, um, in the Arctic Circle. And the Uh. second book is basically the three survivors from the first book uh, out of a a larger team of uh, researchers uh, fleeing south along this incredibly rugged, dangerous highway with the uh, invading demon hordes following at their heels the entire way. Well, the Donald, I want to thank you I'm so much. I'm oh, going to have okay. to cut you off. We're running short on time. Everybody check out Donald Firesmith's website, donaldfiresmith.com, and you can find out more about his first, second, and third book, I'm sure, will be on that uh, website. And in the meantime, go over to amazon.com and check out his books and give him some review love. Indie Author Review Love. Donald, thank you so much for being a guest on Back Porch Writer. You're very, very welcome. Have a great night. You too. So as I said, people, go check out his stuff over on donaldfiresmith.com. You can also check out, um, which I won't pronounce correctly, but look up Firesmith's Wand Shop if you're interested in that sort of information. And you can find out about all the wands that he creates. Thanks for joining me. Until next time, pull up the chair, sit the spell, and write. Thanks for listening to Back Porch Writer. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe via iTunes so people just like you can find the show. If you've got comments, questions, or want to be a guest, visit BackPorchWriter.com for details. I'm your host, Corey Miller. Until next time, pull up the chair, sit the spell, and write. <laughs>